Hola, bonjour, hello. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to have a word language class where instead of teaching the language, the rules, and the vocab, you and your students use the language to enjoy learning about each other and the world? I hope your answer is a big yes, because that's exactly what you will discover inside Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. My name is Claudia Elliott, a Spanish teacher born and raised in Colombia, who is as passionate as you are to support our learners to grow in their proficiency and cultural competence. My goal is that in this podcast, you find clarity, strategies, ideas, and inspiration that you can bring into your classroom the next day. Are you ready? Get comfortable while I grab my cafecito colombiano and let's start this conversation now. Hola, bonjour, hello. Welcome to episode five of Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. It's just hard to believe that I have already recorded four episodes and I'm here celebrating today with kombucha instead of my usual cafecito colombiano. Okay, so today I have planned an episode about something different, but in the last week I have received several emails and some DMs with the same frustration. And it is something like, my kids just don't listen. My kids are super chatty. They just don't stop talking. And of course, the follow-up question, how can I make them listen? And this is such an important question because you and I know that our students need to listen in order to acquire the language. So what can we do for them to listen? Today, I'm gonna share with you my my top five strategies, but I want to make a big disclaimer before. It happens to me. Every year, I have one class that is a little bit more chatty than others. I have some days that all my classes seems to be super chatty. So it happens to me, it happens to you, and I think it happens to every single teacher. So don't feel like it's your problem because it's our problem. We are on this together. But before I share with you the strategies uh, that I try to implement in my class, let me tell you three things that I don't do anymore. Uh, the first one is a scream at them. It just doesn't work. It really damages our relationship. It's super draining for me. I don't scream at them anymore. The second one is blame me or judge me, believing that I'm a bad teacher. I'm feeling kind of, I don't know, like failing, like discouraged. I don't do that anymore because I know I'm a good teacher and it bothers me that they don't listen because I care. So if you care, then you're a good teacher. We are on the same place. Now, the three one is ignoring it. We cannot ignore the fact that they don't listen. If they're chatty one day and we don't do something about it, they're going to be chatty the next day and things are going to escalate. So the the third thing that I don't do is ignore it. Okay, so today I'm going to share my five top strategies. But before I do that, I want to remind you about this super incredible resource. And I have received so many comments of teachers saying, I've been using the legendas and it works great in my class. And I want you to have it. So if you haven't downloaded yet, go to growingwithproficiency.com forward slash legendas, and then you can get the five legendas uh, in your inbox. Also, if you're interested in learning with me, check out my upcoming live series from input to output at growingwithproficiency.com power pack. 
our first live session, first live session is going to be October 29. And these are going to be four live sessions that is going to be spread out in the next uh, months. And you are going to have all the strategies and tools to really transform your class into a space that is going to be more comprehensible and is going to be communicatively driven. So if you really want to start using the language instead of focusing so much on teaching the language, I think that can be a great opportunity. Go to growingwithproficiency.com forward slash power pack and use the code GWP podcast to receive 10% off. Okay, so let's start with the five strategies. The first one is establish a strong relationship with your students. And how you do that? The best way to do it is letting your students know you as a human and you get to know your students more as humans. Why? Because as I shared in episode one, it's going to be very difficult to have a communicatively driven class if we don't have that relationship with them. We want them to listen to us with intention and it's going to be difficult that they do that just because they're your teacher, their teacher. And we want that relationship. We want that connection with them to really get them to listen to us. Uh, now, of course, when we know each other, what happens? We tend to be super kind or kinder, I guess that's how you said, and more compassionate with people that we know as humans. So I have two boys uh, and they are 16 and 14. They are, they drive me crazy, but I tend to be super patient with them because I know that they have a good heart. I know my children, I know them. And that makes me feel more compassionate towards them. The same for my students. I have some students that are going through a lot. And because I know that, I tend to be more compassionate and patient with them. And the same applies the other side. They know that I'm human. They know that I have a family. They know my struggles. And we can keep it professional, but knowing that human side of us is so important. Now, how can we do that? Spend at least few minutes every single day in class sharing about yourself or asking personal questions to your students. Just a simple, how are you doing today will make it work. But with intention, right? Like with intention to get to know them, not just kind of like checking the box. Now, I just had this incredible training inside the Growing with Proficiency Spanish Teacher Academy with Adriana Ramirez and she about picture talk. And she said that she almost never uses uh, photos or picture from Google. She instead uses her own pictures. And she said it's because behind every single picture that I share with my students, there is a story. There is a, a personal story that I can share with them. And every time that I share a personal story with them, guess what's happening? We are building those connections. So she is providing a ton of comprehensible and compelling input while allowing her students to get to know her as humans, to know to know where she's coming from, her family, her husband, uh, her granddad, and all her story. So creating those spaces are going to help you a ton so your students will be more willing to listen. Now, uh, I have this routine in my class where every time that they come to my class, I have a question on my board that is a social emotional learning question when I'm checking on them with some options. I put a timer with relaxing music for two minutes and I let them write. 
And it's a great moment because it's kind of like calms them down. It's a routine, right? Like they know what to do. Their the expectation is already there. They're experts in that uh, activity. So they come to the class, they write that, and then they share. And you, you will not believe how many hands I have every single class because they want to share. And that has allowed me to get to know my students a lot. Now, I read on Twitter, uh, I think a year ago, another strategy that I thought was so easy and it really works. So if you have a student where you're really struggling to build that connection and it's, you know, just a little bit more difficult and challenging, what the uh, person in Twitter said is spend one or two minutes every class in your common language, which is, which for me would be English, chatting about something that is not related to the class. So how is your day today? Uh, how is school going? Are you going to go to the football game? Uh, do you, are you doing sports or any, any question that is going to allow you and that students to build that connection? And I thought it was right because it's just one or two minutes that is going to build on those connections. So creating connections is extremely important um, for me and to establish that um, rapport with my students. Now, the second one, establish few but very clear rules and expectations for your class. And it is the second part, enforce them. Now, we cannot enforce 20. 20 is too many. But try to think about the three to five non-negotiable, most important rules in your class. So in my class, I have, I think there are four. So one is one person uh, talks, the rest listens. Uh, cell phones, uh, AirPods, um, computers in their backpack at all times. Uh, be kind, be respectful. Uh, we speak in Spanish in class. And then if you are confused, signal on let me know. Those are my five. And they are, I repeat them every single day. I have a second slide after we do our check. The second slide are those. And I divide it in like um, um, calls. So I do uh, in class and one, one person speaks and the rest of the class. And then they say in Spanish, escucha, listen. And then I say, eh, celulares, phones, or AirPods, en la, in there. And then they respond, mochila, backpack. And we go through our five rules every single day and when my students break a rule like like I'm talking and I see two people chatting I stop I give them a look I look at the class and I repeat the rule and my class respond to me so I would say in a Spanish class one person talks and the rest and I stop and then my class respond listen and we say that in Spanish and that is kind of like hint hint just you know I'm, I see you please stop. And that's a way, a great way that has worked for me for phones too. So when I have a person that I see that is using the phone or they have this phone out, I kind of like look at the person and I repeat cell phones in there. And then my, my, my class respond in la mochila. So those rules really help me establish those rules, but enforce them. Now related with that is something that I miss. And sometimes I missed right now too is give specific and clear instructions for each one of the activities. If you're doing a story asking, tell the students what the expectations are. 
for everything, how they can sit, can they have things on their lap, uh, can they um, say an answer, they need to wait, they need to raise their hands, can, I, can they say it in Spanish, can they say it in English, I mean, all the rules, because they don't know, and sometimes they just come out and start you know, blurring or chatting and we say like, just stop. I mean, it's common sense, but they don't know. So having clear instructions of all the expectations for each specific activity is super important. Now, that's why in episode four, I share with you that one of my strategies to stay in the target language is identify my favorite activities. And I have three for interpersonal, but I have like three for each one of the things that I do in class and become an expert. So my students become an expert on that specific activity. I become an expert. So next time that we do the activity, I'm doing, we're doing a story, ask it, and I briefly can go through my instructions because my, my students already know. But if I'm every day, I'm introducing a new activity, the instruction part is gonna be so time consuming and draining for me and for the students because they will have to learn how to do the task, how to do the activity. And sometimes that part is just killing the activity. Even, I mean, we never get to the activity because the activity three minutes and we spend eight minutes with instructions. Now, if you have powerful activities that you love to do, do it once. Just create a slide with all the instructions really clear. Just don't be wordy. Be very clear and um, uh, simple instructions. Go through them one time, the second time. But the fourth time that you're doing it, you're going to go briefly and your students are going to become experts and the chatting part is going to be decreased. But we need to let them know what the expectations are. I remember when I did story asking the first time without, you know, just told my students, we're going to do story asking. You and I are going to create a story. I'm going to ask questions. You answer, period. <laughs> I thought it was going to be great. It was a disaster. They were chatting. They were screaming. I mean, it was chaotic. Uh, but then I came out with some rules for my story asking that work for me, that work for my students. And I wrote them. And since then, I love story asking. My students love story asking. And it's not the chaotic, super energetic, out of control activity anymore. But you have to spend the time to do it. Just, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but remember, few activities, become an expert, and then you add more. By the way, John Cower, if you don't know um, John Cower or you don't follow him, he has an incredible blog and I'm adding his link here in the show notes of this episode. And he is really an expert in classroom management for CI classes. So you need to check out his blog post. Uh, but he made a comment in his book. He wrote something that I found super, um, I don't know, it was like an aha moment for, for me. He was saying, why when we are um, in a car, why people speed even though the fine for spinning is pretty high like $200 why we keep speeding and basically the reason is because the probability that you're going to get uh, caught is really low and I think the same thing happens to our students that's why when we set up our rules it's really important that we enforce them all the time because if we ignore it the behavior is going to come back and it's going to become worse and it spreads throughout your class so just be mindful, keep it, you know, doable rules, short, 
simple, but things that you can enforce. Okay, so that's going to be my second one. My third one is self-assessment and surveys. I love to do self-assessment because I'm putting, I'm creating the space for my students to reflect on their own process, on their own things that they do in class to help them acquire the language. So I saw so many. I saw one from John Coward. I saw one from Tina Hargenden. I mean, there's so many out there that are called interpersonal skill rubrics. And basically what we're trying to do is give them specific behaviors that or specific processes that they need to do, tasks that they need to complete in class on a daily basis to be able to listen and acquire the language. So what I created by using, you know, pieces of all everybody's. And then what I do is every Friday, I give it to my students. And I say, can you self-assess yourself? And at the end, give me comments. What are you doing really well? What are you going to improve for next week? And I'm giving them the space for having that, you know, just that moment where they think about what they're doing. So I love to do self-assessment with my classes. I also like to do surveys. I try to do a survey like each quarter uh, to ask my students what things are working in our class, what things are not working in our class. As a matter of fact, I have one class that I struggled this year because it's my biggest class. I have 38, 39 students in that class. It's a Spanish three, a lot of different uh, levels of proficiency, big, big personalities, some shy students. So it just have like everything in one big, big class and it's after lunch. They are there a lot and they are very chatty. And it's just really concerned me because I just feel like they're not getting the input because they're not listening. So I gave them a survey and they were telling me, uh, I don't think our seating arrangements are working because we're fa- facing to each other and we just love to talk. Maybe you can put us in a different way where we're facing you and know each other. What a great point. And they were saying, uh, sometimes we feel like the content of the class is too uh, high for us. And I get lost and I try to ask my 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 um, person sitting next to me for help. And then it just becomes this chatting and constant thing. So they gave me great feedback. So don't be afraid to ask them. So what's going on? What can we do? And when we ask them, then we can, you know, we give them the space. We give them like the importance and the space to have a dialogue with them because it's our class. It's not my class. It's our class to build the class that we want. So self-assessments and surveys, huge. Now, point four, my strategy four. Stay comprehensible, keep it compelling, and chunk it. Now, stay comprehensible can be very tricky, but staying comprehensible not only is important for language acquisition or is essential for language acquisition, but also for competence. So our students, when they start feeling that everything is becoming uncomprehensible, they start feeling incompetent. And when they feel incompetent, they start losing motivation they disengage and they start talking. <laughs> so it's kind of like this change reaction. So what I what I really want you to invite you to do is observe your classes. By the way, in this same training with Adriana Ramirez, she made a great point. I said, when we're teaching with comprehensible input, it's a lot of observation. Like you need to be observing your class and say, okay, this is too hard. This is becoming too much for them. Or I'm going too slow or I'm going too fast. It's kind of like, you need to constantly be taking the temperature of your class to see how you're doing. And I know that 
sound exhausting, but you become a pro when you do it with intention over and over and over, and it's going to come natural. But when something is really, really hard for our students, they're going to check out, they're going to feel incompetent, and they're going to feel unmotivated, and they're going to be chatting. So keeping our class comprehensible is important. And I know it's difficult because, you know, we have our expectations in our head that this is where you're supposed to be because you are in Spanish 3. But they are where they are. And if we don't just maybe touch, put our content at their level, it's going to create this frustration and excessive um, chatting in the class. Now, the second one is compelling. Now, it's hard, right? Because what is compelling for our students? And I'm not saying you need to change everything, but create some areas of compelling. I really love to start my classes with personalized questions and answers because that way I kind of connect whatever is our topic with my students. So I'm about to tell my students, my Spanish 3, uh, the legend of La Llorona. And I created some PQAs. And the PQAs were, is it worth it to fall in love? What would you do if somebody betrayed you? Would you forgive a betrayal? And my kids were like so into those type of questions. So when you create those questions, you create this compelling factor because you are connecting your topic with them. So think about your next unit and think about five questions that you can ask to your students that is really connecting that topic with them at a personal level. And you're going to see that that will help you stay compelling. And the last one is chunk it, right? Especially when you're delivering input to your student and it's the core input and you need, you know, your students to be listening because they need to get this language. Uh, chunk it. Do, and then they're going to, you're going to see that throughout the year, there are going to be classes that are going to be able to sustain more input. But there are some classes that every three minutes you need a reset. So you need maybe a, 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 a brain break. You need to do a little a, a turn and, and talk. You need to do maybe a little a drawing a, in the middle, but chunk it because some, some classes or some group of students, for whatever is the reason, cannot take 10 minutes. They can take three or four minutes. So have already some activities that you can do in the middle to chunk your input. And okay, so let's go with a strategy five. A strategy five is paper and pencil. <laughs> when everything doesn't work, paper and pencil. Now, listen, I love my students just to listen to me sometimes. Just put put your back, put your uh, notebook uh, under your chair, nothing on your lap, listen to me, and I'm going to tell you a story. But there's some classes that cannot do that or cannot do that yet, or they cannot do that that day, or just whatever is the reason, they're not listening. So in that case, have them to do paper and pencil. I always have some um, graphic organizer handy with me. And when I know that I have that class, I'll pass out the graphic organizer and I say, you are going to take notes while I tell you this. And what I ask them to do is you can take the notes in Spanish, you can take the notes in Spanglish. You can take the notes in English. You can draw. You cannot interrupt to ask me what I just said or how to spell this word or what was the word exactly that you said. So you are not supposed to interrupt me because you know, I don't want to break the flow. 
but also that helps me to slow down because I know that they're writing. So I try to keep my sentences short. It helps me also to stay comprehensible with them. Now, John Cower has a great blog post about uh, packages and weekly packages, especially for those moments that you have to provide this big input. Uh, I'm putting the link in the show notes and I think that would be great for you to um, grab and read. So those are my five great uh, strategies that I hope they they work for you. So number one uh, is to build relationships with your students. Number two, establish very few but very clear rules for your class and for each one of the activities that you do uh, in class. Number three, self-assessment and uh, and service. Number four, stay comprehensible, keep it compelling and chunked. And number five, paper and pencil. Now, before I go, I want to add this bonus. The bonus is the reset activity. The I cannot do this anymore activity. When you are in a situation where your students are extremely chatting, you cannot get them calm down. You know that you are exhausted. Your energy is not there. Then that is when we tend to lose control. We scream. We get really mad. We just lose it. But what I have discovered is that if I have a reset activity handy, I feel in control all the time. So when my classes are becoming like too chatty, I know what I'm going to do. So I decided that I wanted to share with you not only my favorite reset activity, but my great friends, Meredith White, Berta Delgadillo, and Cristina Marquiores, favorite reset activity. So now I'm going to share that with you. Okay, so I'm going to start with Berta. So Berta loves to use Meredith's template for dictation. So Meredith has uh, designed an incredible template for dictation. And in this dictation, uh, Berta gives her students the, the paper. She already had it. She already has enough copies because at her reset activity, she knows that on those days, at that moment, nothing else, we're going to do dictation. And she passes it out and she tells them 10 sentences in Spanish and the students is, are going to write the sentences and they're going to do the translation. And then she even has follow-up activities. So I'm putting in the show notes links for all these activities that I'm going to mention. Now, Berta also discovered uh, I think a few weeks ago, sitting transcription and sitting transcription was uh, shared by the comprehensible classroom. And I'm adding the blog post for that too. Uh, and basically what the teacher does is display six to nine events of the story in a different order. And then in a grid of three by three, and then the student gets a white piece of paper and then they fold the paper in, to create a grid of three by three, depending on how many events you have. Then the student has to read the events, rewrite them in order, and illustrate them. And Berta created an incredible template that I'm sharing with you, uh, where she's adding even transitional words or connectors for narration. So I love it. That's a great reset activity. Now, Meredith reset activity is, of course, the same dictation. And she said that sometimes she uses her voice, but when she is at a point that, eh, no, my voice is not going to work here anymore. She does an um, audio recording uh, that she has already uh, identified. Also, she la- loves to use an old set of GimKit. So she puts the GimKit, she's going to do, okay, we're going to do two GimKits. And then she takes, she just sits down and just, you know, like reset. 
Uh, also, she has always a go formative. If you know Meredith White, you know that she's a go formative, totally lover. So she has a go formative ready for each unit. Now, Christina loves to use her, the vocab that they're using for her, the unit that she's working on. So what she does is she puts up some of the words that they have in their uh, vocab for their unit. And then she uh, says the students select seven and independently create a mini story using those seven words. Now she has more uh, activities uh, in a blog post that she wrote about task cards and I'm adding that to the show notes. Now, what is mine? Mine is super simple and is read and draw. I have a collection of stories that I wrote a, a few years ago for my level one, and all of them have glosses, a pictures, illustration, and a glossary at the end. And I have like 40 copies of that book. So when I have that day, I give that book to all my students. I said, choose two stories and create a mini book, like comic book type, uh, with two stories. And that is an incredible, incredible activity. Now, I do the same thing for my upper levels. And what I'm doing this year is I make extra copies of Panorama Cultural, which is the article that are uh, the cultural uh, readings that I do with Enid and Lopez. And I have like a set of all these uh, activities, all these readings. And I have my students the same thing. And I said, Pick up an activity, pick up a reading or two, depending on how much time we have left, illustrate it and complete the activities on the back. So why I love to have this, because it's just an easy way out for me where I have my students listening to more language, reading to more language, doing something independently with the, the language, and I can just sit, breathe, reset and come back. So this gives just keeps the control on me and on not on them. Okay, I hope this acti- this uh, episode gave you uh, strategies and ideas for you to use soon. And if you use them, let me know. If you have been enjoying this show, I would love for you to write a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. This will really help other teachers to decide whether or not they want to listen to Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. Now, before our show ends, I want to remind you about the free five legends at growingwithproficiency.com forward slash legendas. And if you're interested in learning with me, check out the series from input to output. And you can find it at growingwithproficiency.com forward slash power pack and use your code GWP podcast. That's it for today. I hope that you have a wonderful uh, day. And I will see you soon. Ciao, ciao.